From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. Hello, Happy New Year to you all and thanks for choosing Cambridge 105 Radio. This is From the Pavilion, a dedicated local cricket show. And on this New Year's special, we'll be looking back over the past 12 months of cricket here in Cambridgeshire. My name is Ollie Slack and alongside me as ever is Nathan Johns. For the next 45 minutes or so, we'll hear from the East Anglian Premier League winning captain Dan Heath and Cambridge-born Middlesex batter Max Holden on the gruelling county schedule. Yes, we will have to talk about the Ashes just for a little bit and England's diabolical performance down under. But on a more cheery note, we've got the final of the FTP Quiz Cup. We'll be bringing you up to date with all the major cricketing stories close to home here in Cambridgeshire. If you want to contribute to the show, you can do. Please do at FTP Cricket 105 on both Twitter and Facebook. Thanks for tuning in and also if you're listening on the podcast too, we're available to listen back to on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or the Cambridge 105 radio website. All that's left to do is introduce my co-host Nathan Johns coming to you from Ireland. How are you doing Nathan? All good Ollie, how are you? It's uh, been too long since I've heard your voice since we've done the radio together. But yeah, delighted. Good to, good to see and hear you again. Yeah, it has been a while. It has been a long while actually. I was trying to remember the last, the last live show we did. I presume it was the... One at the end of last season, so probably around September time. Yeah, middle of September, I think. I think uh, you you just started your course. I think was the last time I last time I spoke to you live. Yeah, and uh, God, it, it, it's amazing how, how quickly the time goes, but also how uh, how much it drags. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, in some cases, yeah. And you're obviously started your your new gig uh, back home in Ireland as well. But a lot's changed since then. The weather not so not so good now. So the the days of sunny September seem a lot a long way away. But also, of course, with COVID returning, and to be fair, in twenty twenty one, it wasn't too bad. I'm trying to think; it was it was largely unaffected by by COVID. What was what was your season like in terms of the the twenty twenty one campaign? Absolutely fine, COVID wise. Um, I don't think we missed a single game um, until the end, until when ev- towards the end, when everyone finished their uni exams and started partying. And I think <laughs> that that was when every university in the country was was rampant towards the end of June, beginning of July which has been our season, the most important games of our season were starting. So sadly, one or two of those, uh, you know, the, the, the university's got cold feet and they, they, we lost them. But apart from that, I mean, from, from April through to then, we, um, we were playing two, three times every week and it was great. Um, you know, at the time, there was a lot of cricket. But looking back at it now, when you're playing club cricket every week, it's going to seem, gonna seem like quite nice to look back at the time when you're a student and you'd nothing else to do but play cricket. But that's the way of the world, isn't it? Um, so yeah, no touch wood. We were we were quite lucky, and hopefully we get some some more luck now. Um, this summer and these these waves that we're going through kind of are well gone. Come come April time when when we're starting to play again. Mm. Do you miss it at all, cricket during the off season? Or are you quite happy? Yeah, with the break. No, I watch. I mean, thankfully, I mean the one good thing is that not too many proper games of cricket have been cancelled, have they? So we've still got loads of cricket to watch. I mean, from the there was the World Cup. Watch, watch. Well, I'm enjoyable to watch, though, is it really? <laughs> no, I mean, well, you know, I, I, it's, it's still good. It's still good, uh, good theatre. I mean, from a neutral point of view, that that evening in the MCG, when it just felt like a complete, you know, bit of a. I hate using the cliche like this, but it was a bit like a gladiator arena, wasn't it? When that England had to face that hour of the mm. Aussie quicks, and just from, from a neutral point of view, watching that level of bowling was just unbelievable. And um, even if it was at six in the morning, we were woken up early to watch that. So yeah, so and of course you mentioned you mentioned working. The good thing about working from home is that you can you can have all this cricket on at the background while you're uh, while you're supposed to be working. I mean, the World Cup was brilliant. The game started at eleven in the morning, so I've just spent my mornings not working and watching cricket. It was absolutely fantastic. Well, 
I was working in case anyone's listening. Yeah, so <laughs> insight into Nathan's working schedule there. Yeah. Multiple, multiple cups of tea breaks as he pops over to the into the other room to check the cricket score and maybe stay there a while. <laughs> I'm not the only one. Well, I mean, that's why every, everyone was delighted uh, last season when they started streaming all the county championship stuff, weren't they? Because it meant that when they were staying at home, they had some seriously good cricket and the streaming numbers for that did really well, didn't they? So, um, you know, it's, it's it's good to see. It's, one you know, every cloud, I guess. <laughs> exactly. At least we can figure some positives, despite the fact that, if we're being honest, from an England point of view perspective, people listening to this show will not have enjoyed really watching the cricket over the last few no. uh, few months. Um, with England, of course, losing in the semis at the T20 World Cup. And, mm, well, I'm trying to think of a polite way of putting the disaster that's been the ashes over the last few weeks. We'll actually go on to that later on. We'll talk more about that specifically later on. Not too much, because we want it to be quite a positive and upbeat show. And uh, it's difficult <laughs> to do that when England get thrashed uh, 3-0. Probably will be 5-0 as well. So well at the time of recording, 3-0 doesn't sound too bad, does it? No, not at all. But the one positive is that you can't get any worse in 2022 for the English Test team. No, no, probably can't. No. It does appear English cricket is at its lowest. Maybe maybe it has been worse than this, but not in my lifetime, not in your lifetime. Anyway, on a more positive note, it's time to hear from our first guest then on this from the Pavilion New Year's Day special. And Sauce and Abraham were the champions of the East Anglian Premier League in 2021. They've risen up through the divisions over the last few years and it culminated in a fantastic title win last campaign. I caught up with skipper Dan Heath a few weeks ago to discuss all about it, the upcoming 2022 campaign, the state of the local game. But first, he looked back on what was a memorable summer for the Rams. From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. I think now, actually, with a little bit of time between now and the end of the season, um, it's allowed us probably a little bit of time for reflection. And I think it's actually, we understand a bit more what we've achieved. Um, I think when you're caught up in the moment and you're trying to win titles and win game after game, you sort of lose track of kind of, not the enormity of it, I guess actually enormity in some ways, but like what you're actually achieving. Um and I think as a group, because we've done had a really good run of two or three years just winning games, um, you just kind of get into a rhythm of that's all you're thinking about, the next challenge, the next game. And don't take that step back and realise what you're doing. Um, so, so yeah, that was um, that was incredibly pleasing. Um, and I'm obviously very proud and the club's very proud. And, um, yeah, it's been, it's been great just to have a little break from cricket where we can take stock and, and realise what we achieved, really, to be honest. Yeah, it's an interesting point you make, really, that because you're so used to winning over the last few years, I suppose you don't take it for granted, but I guess perhaps you maybe don't appreciate in the moment the wins when you get them. But looking back now, those memories, the celebrations, are you able to really appreciate those now? I think it's one of the things we spoke about as a group last year. We went through a bit of a tricky patch where we had a five-game streak where we lost two games in the trot and two three on the trot. And I think we just took a step back then and went, do you know what? This really hurts losing. It hurts drawing. We love winning. But do we really enjoy the wins enough? And I think if there's any negative in being quite a successful side being at the top is that the, do you enjoy it as much? Like I know it sounds like a brutal thing to say, but like, do you genuinely really enjoy it? Like, And I think we do really enjoy it because we enjoy winning and we're really good mates. But, you know, you, we have to turn up every game. We have to win if we want to be successful. Um, and that and that's quite, you know, that, that that's quite a hard thing to feel. So, um, look, there's there's loads of great memories. We had loads of wins, which now looking back again, are just, you know, phenomenal, phenomenal really. And we, we are, as a group of players, incredibly lucky to be provided with what we get provided. 
I'd be surprised if there's another team that get, gets what we get given to us. Um, and across all things, you know, not just on off the pitch as well. So we're very thankful and grateful for us making sure people are aware how thankful we are. Looking ahead to next season, obviously you want to defend your title. Will there be any changes across the club, throughout the club, in terms of the first team for next season? Will you be going about it the same way, any differently at all? I've been captain now. I've done, I've done three years now. And I think it's a natural thing inside. I think when you know something needs to change, you get that feeling. Um, and I don't think anything needs to change, really. When I speak individually to the lads, everyone's hungry to go on and achieve something. And we don't want to do this as a one-time thing. The goal is, is to, to make a little bit of something out of this team. We've got a really strong team, a real good togetherness, a team that loves playing together, loves playing for the club as well. That's a really important thing. Love representing Source in the Baby and Cricket Club. Um, and also we've got that carrot of National Cups to come, which, you know, I think for a team like ours, who are goal-motivated and success-motivated, those are fantastic incentives for us to have. We want to win the league next year again. Of course, we want to retain our, our, our title, but we want to have two really good showings in the National Cups. And we look at teams in our league that have done that and they set the standard, they set the bar as to where we want to be as a first team, but as a club. And I think we've pushed the club onto a certain level within this region. If we want to push the club on again, um, nationally or you know, south of England, whatever it might be, a National Cup runs how you do it. Yeah, speaking of change, the APL sent out a survey recently for players of the league to complete. Uh, what was asked? How did you answer them? Um, and what's your thoughts off the back of it in terms of the local game as a whole? Uh, look, the question the question has been ever since we joined the league, really, was the, the longer format. Does it still have a place? And I see both sides of the argument. I see why people don't like it. I understand it. It's not my opinion. I love it. And I'm lucky I can commit to cricket like that and the time element doesn't matter to me I'm very much of the opinion we are playing the best level of club cricket has to offer in arguably the best national the best Premier League in the nation so to me you need that differentiation you need that two format cricket um, because that's what I'd expect playing that level but I understand why people feel that it's negative cricket I understand why people feel it's over time consuming you know we've walked off games at Cop Dog at 10 past 8 at night and we started at 11 o'clock, which meant we left, we've left the house at 8 a.m., you know. So to me and my team, not a problem. We love it and we wouldn't change it. And none of us voted for change. We want to keep it exactly the same because we want to be tested all the time. And, you know, some of the games I look back on, you know, where we, we had two teams nine down and we couldn't get them out. And it's frustrating, but that's fun. You're frying everything at a bunch of players to try and get over the line. And that's what it's all about. Um, and then obviously the second part of your question, local cricket. It was great to see Eaton Soakham want to get promoted. I thought that was absolutely brilliant. Um, and it was great to see three teams go into the playoffs. I think there should be an option for two teams to come up personally because it just keeps the league fresh. You know, you've got Grant uh, or Cambridge, sorry, that were not relegated as such. They were pulled out of the league. You know, in my mind, you don't want a situation where a team comes bottom that stays up because they beat a team coming up they could lose 22 games and stay in the league that way. To me, that doesn't work. You know, I'd much rather it be the bottom team in our league gets automatically relegated and then the one from bottom will go into a playoff system with the three winners and those two games become finals. So then you're guaranteed one team to definitely new teams come up and you, but then the other team might stay up, which kind of seems like that's how you're going to get a turnaround. But look, I think the fact that Eaton Token wanted to come up is great. It'd be great if more teams wanted to do so. But again, I understand that People don't want the travelling. They don't want the expense. They don't want to. They don't want to be anything. They're not. If you're happy being what you are, 
be what you are. If you want to be a Premier League club, we'll go and do it then. But if you want to be a village club and you or you want to be a club cricket side but play in a smaller level, there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that at all. I think cricket's I think cricket's a bit of a crossroads. Clearly there's all sorts going up the top of the game which needs sorting out. But I think the standard of cricket's bloody strong. I think clubs are embracing things like social media and all these great things, tools to, you know, in, increase the game. So it's easy for me to say at a really strong club, I think the game's going well. But in my personal opinion, I, I think things are, are, are quite nice in place right now. I was going to say, a year on from the COVID hit season, do you think there's still that appetite, that hunger for people to play the game? I do. I do. I, I don't think they... I, I, I don't think they get it right at the top. Again, this is completely my opinion. I felt the 100 was completely unnecessary. Um, I think the, the county game has got so many good players in it that it's just a bit unnecessary. And I think if they can find a way to tap into people's obvious obvious interest in the 100 and get them watching that other stuff on a more regular basis rather than just a burst of cricket, then that might be a better way forward. My one concern would be, and I've said it multiple times and I've spoken to you, I think there's just too many clubs. And it sounds really horrible to say it, but you know when you've got clubs which... I don't know, there's over 100 some odd teams in Cambridgeshire cricket. Like, you know, some of them clubs will have 11, 12 blokes and that's it. You know, I think clubs would be stronger. You know, you had less clubs, but bigger ones. If you look at the Birmingham leagues and all these leagues, you know, you probably have a lot less clubs, but they've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, whatever it might be. You know, I know it's not for everybody and it's easy for me to say this at a strong, big club, but, you know, that's how I think cricket becomes more sustainable, really. And, and, and making less teams, but making bigger ones and stronger ones because of it. But I think there's an appetite out there. You've just got to find the right way of tapping into it, really. Cambridge 105 Radio. From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. Nathan, remember back in uh, September, October time, we recorded the uh, the final of the FTP Quiz Cup? Yeah, just about. I mean, well, you can't really forget something like that. The quiz has been the highlight of our show for all summer, <laughs> oh, wow. so you can't. You can't really forget. Can't really forget the the final of it. Yeah, I mean, if the quiz is the highlight of our show, then we are producing some top quality content on local radio. I have to say, I think it just means we're producing a top quality quiz, Ollie. Maybe, maybe. But I, I think I, one of the the lines saying the in the quiz is that the the final so far away from the knockout stage that it almost replicates the T Twenty Blast. I mean, we were hoping to record <laughs> a, some sort of season review at the end of September, so it was. The plan was for it to go out then, as we've already alluded to, both Nathan and I are very busy over the last few months, so it's been pushed back until New Year's Day. So this quiz with Eaton Sokin's Graham Duff and Sawson Abraham's Nick Griggs was the culmination of a number of weeks of quizzing we did on the show throughout 2021. 16 teams we started with, ended up with two in the final. They took on each other in a knockout FA Cup-style tournament, and we were left with, as I said, Eaton Sokin and Sawson Abraham in the final and they took on each other in a best of seven contest to be crowned FTP Quiz Cup winners. Across the city and South Cambridgeshire. Cambridge 105 Radio. So it's time to crack on with the quiz and it feels like the moment that everyone's been waiting for or not. Uh, It's the uh, FTP Quiz Cup final. A long, long tournament that we started all the way back in May, I believe, and had uh, 16 teams, clubs from the county enter the competition. And now we're now left with two. They are Eaton Soken and Sourson of Abraham, who will compete in the final to be crowned champions. From Eaton Soken, we've got Graham Duff. 
from Source of the Abraham, we've got Nick Griggs. Let's start with Graham. Graham, thanks for coming on the show, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you very much. Good to be back. Yeah, it's been a, been a bit of a while, a bit like the T20 Blast, just so long after the quarterfinals. <laughs> we're actually at finals day. Uh, how did Eaton Soken's season go for the listeners who aren't aware? I know it was a pretty good campaign, but just fell agonisingly short. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, for most of the year, it was it was looking very good. Um, we we were challenging where we expected to be. Um, we got to the to the play where we won the league, um, and then we had the playoffs at the end. Uh, and unfortunately, we just fell short to a to a good Histon team uh, who deserved to beat us on the day. Um, but then we were able to then still go into the, the East Anglian playoffs and, and through to the final there where. Uh, it was a bit of a similar kind of story where we came up a, against a strong Witham team who, who who pretty comfortably beat us and, and deserved to on the day as well. So good season, fell probably a bit short where we were hoping and yeah, just died a little bit at the end. Yeah, such a shame that you just fell fell short, as as we just said. Nick, for you, for Sourcing of Abraham, thanks for coming back on the, on the show, mate. Great to have you on. How did uh, your season go? Yeah, good, mate. Um... As probably everyone's aware, the first team won won the Premier League uh, for their first full season in it, which is which is superb. Um, our twos and threes both uh, won the league and got promoted, which is great. And the fours managed to get a team out most weekends, so it's pretty successful round. Yeah, two pretty good campaigns then I think, and two pretty good showings in the the quiz as well. So as normal, just to run through the format for those who haven't been listening all season. Both Graham and Nick will be competing against each other in a best of seven contest for the final. Each question will have six possible answers. The player going first will take a guess. If they're right, brilliant, they get the point. If they don't, play then passes across to their opponent and so on and so on until the correct answer is given. To decide who's going first, they'll both answer a separate question, which we like to call the toss. Are you ready, chaps? Are you ready for the final? Yep. Yeah, yeah, go for it. <laughs> so the toss question is the Barmy Army made headlines on Twitter prior to the Ashes pointing out that Joe Root has scored more calendar runs in 2021 than Tim Payne has managed in his career but how many has the former Australian skipper scored what do you reckon Graham uh, well, uh, 1,600 1,600 what do you reckon Nick uh, it's not very many, is it? What one thousand five hundred? One thousand five hundred. I can tell you that it was one thousand five hundred and thirty-four. <laughs> so Nick just clinches the toss. It means he takes control of the quiz. He will answer the first question, which could prove pivotal in this best of seven contest. You ready, Nick? As ready as I'll ever be, I think. <laughs> Let's go then. In the Roses T20 Blast fixture at Headingley in July, which Yorkshire bowler took a hat-trick to end the match and secure victory over Lancashire? Was it Adil Rashid, Lockie Ferguson, David Willey, Matt Fisher, Don Bess or Jordan Thompson? I'm going Lockie Ferguson. You're going with Lockie Ferguson. That is correct. 1-0 up. Congratulations. The first point on the board. So, Graham, question to, to you then. Let's see if you can get off the board immediately as well. During the England Women's Series against India, one test, three ODIs and three T20s were played. 
Which bowler was the top wicket-taker for England across all three formats? Was it Catherine Brunt, Nat Siver, Sophie Eccleston, Kate Cross, Anya Shrupsall, or Maddie Villiers? Uh, Catherine Brunt. Unfortunately, it is not Catherine Brunt. And then it passes over to you, Nick. Would you like me to read out the, the remaining <laughs> options again? Yes, please. So was it Nat Siver, Sophie Eccleston, Kate Cross, Anya Shrubsall, or Maddie Villiers? Uh, left arm spinner is it Sophie Eccleston it was Sophie Eccleston so I think that's your second point isn't it Nick it is I think yeah. Yeah, so Nick goes 2-0 up and this one is to take a 3-0 lead Nick in June Abraham Gundameda hit six sixes in an over against Needingworth in the CCA Senior Division 1 but for which club? So a local question. Was it Camborne, Marchtown, Abington, Cambridge NCI, Longstanton Grasshoppers or City of Ely? Literally no idea. I'll say NCI. You go with Cambridge NCI and you would be correct too. <laughs> Sorry, Graham. Oh. <laughs> be honest, Nick. Was that a bit of a guess? I had no idea. <laughs> it sounded like one, but you take a 3-0 lead. All right then, Graham. You, need, you might need this one. <laughs> in October, Australia won the T20 World Cup, but who has scored the most runs in the history of the tournament? Is it Mahela Jaiwardna, Chris Gale, Aby de Villiers, Rohit Sharma, Kumar Sangakkara, or Brendan McCollum? Oh, um... Sangakara. Going with Sangakara. Unfortunately, it is not Kumar. Nick, what do you reckon? I'll go Gale. It's not Gale either. Oh. So Graham, chance for a bit of bit of redemption here. Uh, on my need, Gale was the only other one I could remember. So I might need uh, McCullum. Was McCullum one? Sorry, what were the other ones? So it was Mahela Jai Wardner, A.B. de Villiers, Rohit Sharma, or Brendan McCollum? Uh, Rohit Sharma. It wasn't Rohit Sharma. So, <laughs> Nick, three answers remain. Which one of them are you going to go for? I'll go with McCollum. It wasn't McCollum, right, Graham? Oh, you need to get this. <laughs> At least you we saved the job. best two players for the final. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, nobody, nobody knows this. So, uh, <laughs> Don't be salty, going, Graham. Yeah, I'm going to... My, my sole logic on this is Davidis is still playing, so Jay Wardina I'm going to go with because he must have played longer. Who knows? Jay Wardina. Well, you needed to score a point here because if you got this one wrong, it would pass to Nick and that would be an easy... <laughs> An open goal for the 4-0 win. And Graham, you have got that one right. It is Mahalo Jaiwardna, <laughs> which means you survive until at least the next question. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm going to not celebrate that too much. <laughs> <laughs> I take it, Graham. We're on to question five. 3-1 <laughs> yeah. is the score to Nick. I believe I am right. Yeah, it's just a longer format. It could take me slightly long to work it out. Um, and this could clinch it for you, Nick. Are you ready? I think so. Warwickshire were crowned county champions in the summer 
fantastic scenes there were at Edgebaston when they defeated Somerset back in September. But who was their leading wicket-taker for the 2021 campaign? Was it Liam Norwell, Chris Wokes, Oliver Hannan-Dolby, Ollie Stone, Danny Briggs or Will Rhodes? I'll go with Norwell. You're going with Liam Norwell? And you would be absolutely right too. And that means, Nick, congratulations. You've clinched the quiz. You are the winner of the FTP Quiz Cup final. We started with 16 teams. We now have one left, and that is you. How do you feel? Ecstatic, mate. Absolutely ecstatic. <laughs> Come on, Nick. Give it some biggins. It's the final. I think, to be honest, I can't really take much gratitude. I've, I've guessed pretty much the whole way through. Um, so I can't really be like, oh, I've lost it. But... I mean, it feels great to win. Wasn't there a famous quote, it's better to be lucky than good? Well, <laughs> it was definitely that. <laughs> I mean, I can't say we're great. We got down to, I think a couple of the times we've got down to the last two answers with me involved. So I can't really, can't really say I'm very knowledgeable. Well, I have no bias at all, but the only reason I'm slightly happy is because I'm due to be kicked out of the studio in 10 minutes. So a, a, a quick wrap-up is uh, quite handy, <laughs> actually. But Graham, you've... Played a fantastic tournament all the way through. Thank you so much for, for taking part. Just unfortunately fell short of the last hurdle. Yeah, no, the, the, the better man won on the day. And I think uh, that's, our, that's Eaton Soken's fifth final defeat of the season. So uh, <laughs> I've, I've, I've decided to be consistent. Oh, Graham, Nick, thanks so much for playing. Really appreciate it. And hey, maybe we could uh, we can see you again at some point in the, uh, maybe the New Year's quiz if you fancy it, if you're not too fed up with us. Oh yeah, yeah we'll do mate. Cheers guys. Cheers. Cheers. See you later. Bye. From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. <laughs> Congrats once again to Nick Griggs there of Sorsner Babraham, who is the inaugural winner of the FTP Quiz Cup. He battled through rounds and rounds the last 16 quarterfinal semi. And then the final to be crowned champion. Commiserations to Graham Duff of Ian Soken, a fantastic competitor all throughout the tournament last summer and in some sort of time paradoxy time travelly way they did sort of compete in the new year's day quiz in the end but perhaps not how they originally thought they would when i made the suggestion uh, a couple months ago but once again congrats to nick griggs hopefully we'll do the ftp quiz cup again in the summer but now it's time to get slightly serious as we need to talk about the ashes and england's dismal performances down under uh england at time recording are three nil down against australia and it's been a pretty shoddy tour all round so far. Nathan, from a neutral point of view, what's your, your thoughts on how England have gone and how Australia have gone? Yeah, I mean, well, England historically get hammered in Australia, don't they? It's just, you know, it was 4-0 the last one, 5-0 before, 5-0 in 07, you know, and it could well be 5-0 now. It, it goes down as one of the worst ones, doesn't it? I mean, of, of those drubbings that we just mentioned, I mean, what was it, bowled out for 68, the second innings to lose by an innings um, in the MCG? I mean, yeah, no matter how you put it, that's um, that's that, that's beyond beyond bad. And mm. you know, poor old Joe Root, poor old Joe Root is you know he's got a couple of half centuries, but you know he needs this. It seems like he needs to score 150 every innings for in order for England to be in it, which obviously is unsustainable. I mean, he's got a bit of support from Milan, um, but hasn't always been there. And it's just it's just tough to watch. I think it's tough to watch a couple of young players in that English batting lineup who you know have scored a lot of runs in county cricket and definitely deserve this opportunity, but just kind of you know either mentally mentally or technically or both just look a bit at their depth at the moment and, and that's that's tough to watch 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough viewing for England fans. It will be for Joe Root as well. Where's the where's the main problem then? Is it is it Joe Root? Is it Chris Silverwoods? I mean, it's almost inevitable that your answer is going to be, of course, that the, the issues are a lot deeper than just Joe Root and Chris Silverwood. But how much of the blame do they have to take for this for this drumming? And do they have to take so much blame that their potential jobs are, are being questioned? Well, look, Root, Root, Root scored the third most calendar runs ever, I think, this year while he's been captain. So I don't think you can say the captaincy is weighed down his, his batting. And, you know, I've seen some people talk about his captaincy and sometimes he's not aggressive enough or sometimes he makes the wrong decisions. That's all well and fine, but it's very easy to point the finger at those when, you're, when you've been bowled out for 180 in the first innings or, you know, in a lot of the time less. Um, so it's first innings runs. That's pretty obvious what England's main issue is. And then everything else kind of, you can paper over that once you've got first innings runs. Um, I think a lot of the decision-making has been bad. I mean, you know, when they didn't pick Mark Wood, um, that was an interesting one. Um, you know, a lot of people have also said, you know, why didn't someone like Crawley play in that Lions game? Why do you wait after a month of no cricket and then kind of throw him to the Wolves a bit in a, in a, in a green top at the MCG? Who makes those decisions? Well, it's probably mm. Silverwood, isn't it? He's, he's the head selector as well as the head coach. So and there's Broad in the know, first game as well. Yeah, Broad in the first game. You know, no, you know, Jack Leach in a pitch that's not going to spin, and then no Jack Leach in a pitch in Adelaide that maybe might do a little bit. Um, you know, although there's all these things looking, they've been mentioned a hundred times, but I think the bottom line is, you know, Ashley Giles made Silverwood, Silverwood the main man when he got rid of Ed Smith. They've, they've done this so that there is more accountability, and this is the time where you need accountability. So, um, and unlike with Root, Root hasn't, the, even, even if someone did want to make the argument that Root's captaincy is the problem, there isn't an obvious solution. Whereas I think with the coach, um, there is an obvious solution to maybe just strip back some of the power, and then there are other guys waiting in the wings who could, who could easily do a job. Yeah, other than other than that, of of course, as we've as we've alluded to, and, and we'll come on to in terms of the bigger picture of things, I think it is almost inevitable that Silverwood won't be England head coach at the end of the tour. And I, I, I don't really think if Ed Smith was selector, England would have would have, would have done any better. I'm, I'm not sure the 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 change no, in roles no. weighs weighs down on him. And I don't really understand why the the job can't be done by one man in Silverwood. I just think it comes down to being better at the job. Silverwood has, has made a number of poor decisions over the past few weeks. And I don't think if that role was split in terms of selection and, and coaching, it would be any better. And I, I don't mind the two roles being amalgamated. I just think it comes down to actually doing the job better. And they've made a number of poor decisions, both Root and Silverwood, over the last few weeks. In terms of the bigger picture, though, I think what has been clear over the last few weeks, people reacting to the Ashes, that people in the country certainly love Red Bull cricket. They love Test cricket. And it, it seems like there used to be... A lot of talk about them sort of marginalising Red Bull cricket and helping the decline of Red Bull cricket. I think they're certainly making decisions that are accelerating it at the minute, um, especially in the domestic game. You know, even at test level, ticket prices are far too high for people to go watch it. The Red Bull domestic competition has been marginalised, and also when when they did question, for example, the hundred or the the prioritisation of white ball cricket, they were sort of laughed at and, and ridiculed, and and you know people came out and pundits came out and said that it was it was just because sort of old people not wanting change or old cricket fans who don't want to change. But those are the fans who've sort of kept the the test the test game going over the last few years when you know England are playing Pakistan or South Africa or you know Sri Lanka potentially lesser nations in England. And there's been fans packed in stadiums every Test match. Those are the fans who've been going to those games and keeping Test cricket alive and watching Red Bull cricket. Yet they weren't treated very well over the last few 
last couple of years really when they've been voicing their opinions on the game and I think the ECB have to look at how well certainly of course the domestic schedule um, and really how it's fit for purpose to, to try and improve test cricket certainly. Yeah I think there's a couple of things there I think the prioritisation of white ball and then the treatment of fans are kind of two two different issues I mean it kind of sounds cynical but you mentioned ticket prices there that, that that's not going to change because test cricket as much as it you know, Lords, Old Trafford, etc. That, that those are the ECBs. One of the I mean, the ECB's got two cash cows. It's cash cows. It's the hundred, and it's the it's the home test matches that they do really well on TV money, and they get a lot of money with the high ticket prices because unfortunately there are a lot of people who will pay those high ticket prices. So I don't necessarily see that changing. Um, but in terms of the prioritization of white ball and the hundred and all that, I mean, yeah, look, it's 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 led to the to the situation where county cricket's played largely at the beginning and the end of the season when either it seems around loads or it spins loads, so it's quite hard to bat. So a lot of people have been saying, well, look, you know, you, you're playing it in conditions where it's the hardest to bat and, and therefore, you know, your, your batters aren't aren't in position then to go out and win series away from home and, and, and succeed at test cricket, which, you know, there's evidence maybe there that might back that up. Uh, a lot of people blame the 100 and, you know, you talk about people that weren't listening to about the 100. I think... The hundred wasn't aimed at those people clearly, and the, in terms of doing what it was set out to do, the hundred was quite successful. It was set out to bring a new audience to the game. It was set out to maybe increase the standard by of of county cricket by reducing the amount of teams and having eight teams from what is it eight eight from eighteen? I think is that the number? Um, like it did. All the games were really high standard, and there were very few um, one sided games. It brought, like I said, a new audience to the game, and just you can make any reason you want for that. And I know we we spoke about this before, didn't we? I mean, you made the point that saying, well, look, if the if the blast got a bit more love, the blast could have done that. Um, and obviously the ECB made the decision that it couldn't do that. And I think, look, that would be an obvious solution here, wouldn't it? It would be to find some way of amalgamating the blast and the hundred, because I think, like I said, the hundred has clearly done good work in terms of targeting the people it wants to. But then, like you said, why couldn't the blast have done that? I guess somebody made the decision that there's too many small market teams in the blast that mean that maybe they don't have the pull of of some of the franchises that the 100 would do and then the other thing was just just from being in the inside of the 100 i know that people felt very strongly that people would identify more with with the team called london than a team called middlesex or surrey for example um so there's all those things going on there um so like i said the 100 did its job but the consequences of that are now ones you got to deal with and the ecb have to figure out how they deal with those yeah and it cramps up the schedule even more and therefore, great, so you say, further problems for the ECB to try and fit as many of these competitions in the height of summer as they can. They want the, the T20 Blast to be in a, in the height of summer, so it you know, attracts the most fans and provides the income for the counties. That's their, their staple in terms of the income. But now, clearly, the state of Test cricket, they've got to try and find a space in the height of summer for Red Bull cricket to be paid in terms of the domestic side of things as well. Well, the one thing I would say is, and this is not going to be a very popular opinion, but I've heard some very, very prominent former cricketers that are not English saying this, the problem with the blast in the hundred, obviously, is like I said, the eighteen counties, and you need to find a way of doing that white ball tournament that protects all eighteen counties, and they all get their their income. But people from the outside of of England can't believe that there's so many first class teams, um, our professional cricket teams, like especially in Australia where they've only got a handful. And now I'm not saying that's the solution; is you need to get rid of some of the teams in order to make the standard higher and the schedule more compact and everything and and all that. But it is it is it is that's the problem here is in, they're trying to bring in a new audience by making the game easier to understand by reducing the amount of teams. But then the flip side is that is the counties have a lot of power, power, which means they still get their fixtures in the blast, et cetera. Um, and that means you've got a schedule that's 
that's really congested. And like we said, Red Bull is the one that misses out because domestic white ball makes more money than domestic Red Bull. So it's it all of these things going on and how you figure that out, I haven't a clue. Um, I wouldn't want to be the person making that decision because you're almost definitely going to get it wrong. Yeah, I, I do. I just, I kind of think there's just been a complete lack of creativity there in terms of trying to find a solution for the, the counties in, in, in trying to create a, a schedule and a, a tournament before the 100 came along that would attract uh, the audience figures and the number of people going to games that the 100 did in the summer I, I honestly don't think it had been been that difficult and i get that the, the fear that fear that there are too many counties to produce a, a quick tournament that, that gets people's attention in, in a short space of time over the summer but there, there's no reason why you couldn't do two divisions and have a, a premier league of yeah. the, the blast or you know, something along those lines and i don't understand why also that i i get this sort of argument that if you reduce the counties, the cream will rise to the top. But also if you reduce the number of teams, you're reducing the number of academies across the country that are able to, to pick up on, on young players and develop them. Of course, there's another argument if they're, if they're doing that at the minute. But we have a, a football pyramid that accommodates 92 professional clubs, probably more. I can't see why we should be cutting down 18 counties, to be honest. I just think it, it comes down to managing them, managing them better. Yeah, I did see someone say maybe you could turn maybe a couple of them or a few of them who were struggling to semi-pro. I'm not sure how that would work. But it's um yeah, it, it's a debate that will rumble on well into the next few weeks and, and the answers uh, is something that the ECB are going to have to come up with. And I've got a pretty sharpish as well. The the fixtures for the 2022 season have not been released yet. No. Maybe maybe they delayed that, thinking that the Ashes would go slightly pear-shaped as a bit of a, a backup for them. And now they're having to quickly adjust them and make it clear that Red Bull cricket is going to be prioritised for the upcoming 2022 county domestic season. Sticking with county cricket, and we can hear from Max Holden now, Middlesex batter, former Cambridge man. I caught up with him at the end of last season to discuss the 2021 campaign for Middlesex. Didn't go too brilliantly for them. They finished second bottom in the group stages of both white ball competitions, so failing to reach the knockout stages in both the T20 Blast and the Royal London One Day Cup. And in the county championship, they finished bottom of Group 2. That put them into Division C, the bottom division, for the final stages of the county championship. Remember, six teams involved in that. And they finished second, so a positive end to the campaign. But overall, a disappointing one. Max chats to me about the gruelling county schedule. Yep, you guessed it. <laughs> Couldn't have mom without asking about that. The effects mentally on him throughout the campaign. His winter plans ahead of next season. But first, his reflections on last summer. From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. Finishing up where we were, it's a bit of disappointment. You know, as I said, I think at the start of the year, we was we were pretty confident we could have a good, um, good year. And you know, I think... Probably all started sort of the first game of the year. We dominated um, Somerset for the first two days. We were obviously one of the stronger teams, and um, there was sort of you know confidence and um, a bit of belief we could go on and do something pretty good this year. But um, we obviously let that game slip, and then did the similar thing um, in you know two or three of the first um, four or five county championship games. And obviously, if you do that, you sort of lose that bit of momentum, and it's a bit of a downhill um, spiral from there. So, um, like I said, yeah, a little bit disappointing, but um, already sort of looking to build and take a few of the positives that um, came later in the year. Yeah, in terms of highlights, fans back in stadiums, presumably that was a big one? Yeah, absolutely. That was um, yeah, that's definitely one of the positives. I think it was um, even in the four-day stuff where you don't get quite as many fans, it's still nice to have 
um, you know, sprinkling your fans around the ground and um, especially at Lords, um, obviously at home, it's nice to have the members back in the in the pavilion and stuff and makes it more special um, sort of walking out there to play. Um, and obviously sort of the back end of the T20 stuff, we had some decent crowds at Lords for, for that as well. Obviously we didn't have, um, didn't have the full crowds at that point. Um, that obviously came when the 100 started, but I think we had sort of 10,000 at Lords and even there, obviously it's not quite the same as it is when it's full, but um, even that just playing in front of, you know, a, you know, a decent crowd, um, yeah, it was definitely one of the positives of the year and sort of you don't really realise um, sort of how good it is until until they come back really. And um, yeah, like I said, even though it wasn't a full house at Lords for those T20s, it was still good to have that that bit of atmosphere and that bit of, um, you know, extra, I guess, you know, expectation and people around the ground watching was, um, yeah, it was really pleasing. Was it odd though, the first time you had fans back in, you were taking your guard, getting ready to face up and suddenly people are, people are watching me again? Yeah, no, it was a bit strange. It was a bit strange. Um, I guess especially uh, in T20s, I think you notice it more when you're in the field particularly. I think when you're batting, sometimes you're just sort of in your own, in your own world in the bubble, but out there on the boundary when you're sort of um, close to the crowd and stuff, it's sort of, yeah, it was a bit um, bit different to start because it's been a year or two um, since, you know, you get a bit of abuse from the crowd or um, anything like that on the boundary. Um, but no, no, it was just, um, yeah, it's great to have um, people back in the in the crowd watching. It definitely adds to sort of the, spectacle thing especially t20 cricket it's not really the same um without people in the, in the ground watching we often heard throughout the season from pundits and players that there's too much cricket now as fans it's probably a difficult statement to admit that but as players did you come off the field at the end of the season and think oh, i'm knackered did it feel like there was a, a lot of cricket too much cricket perhaps um it definitely is a long season i think particularly um, obviously, last year, you know, it was quite a condensed schedule at the end. Um, you yeah, actually obviously didn't end up playing too much cricket. So, obviously, everyone was, you know, keen to play as much as they could uh, could do this year and obviously understands the commitments from you know, the ECB and you know, broadcasting staff to get as much um, sort of cricket in as we could. Um, you know, as a player, obviously, it's great to play and great to get a rhythm of games going. But obviously, it's a, yeah, quite a grueling schedule at times. And um, I think, especially sometimes if you're going in between formats and stuff like that, it can be quite challenging to sort of go one game after the other um but that's obviously for you know people well above me to to make the schedule and obviously it's um, my job to get on and play with it but um yeah it, it is it is sometimes quite tricky especially like I said going between um you know different formats and things like that um so yeah sort of when it comes to the NBA you know I think the guys especially the bowlers were were pretty tired and looking forward to a, you know a bit of time off yeah is it the relentlessness of it like you say it's a long season the chopping and changing of formats as well, perhaps mentally more so than physically. I guess you don't often get a chance to take a breather, have a break, gather your thoughts and really reassess. It's just constant. It's relentless. Yeah, yeah that's right. I think um, I remember an overseas player a couple of years ago sort of said to me when he was over here playing how um, he thinks the counter cricket game is brilliant um, if you're in form and um, you know things are going away because you can almost use that momentum week after week um, and sort of carry on through all the season because you're playing game after game. It also has the same effect if you are struggling both you know, individually or as a team because the schedule is very gruelling and it's one game after the other. There's not always that time to sort of you know, have a sit back and reset and prepare for the next game. It's almost like you finish one, you're travelling, you're training and then the next game's there. So if it's going your way, that's great because you know, you're in form and um, you know, as all cricketers know, if, you're, if things are going your way, you're confident, you know, you want to be out there, you want to be playing and you want to sort of keep that momentum going. But sometimes if it's not, yeah, like you said, going your way, um, sometimes mentally to be able to keep going um, when it's game after game is, is a challenge. 
Um, and obviously, I think that probably, you know, was one of the things, you know, Middlesex guys probably struggled with this year when it wasn't going our way. There's almost no time to, you know, have a rethink, do some training, have a bit of a time off and prepare for the next game. Whereas I guess if you're playing Australia, that's a bit of a different setup. Or even if you say um, in the international stage, when there's always time to prepare for the next um, event or the next game, whereas in um, in counter cricket, it's a bit more um, relentless, I guess. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We've just had the schedule confirmed for the 2022 season, so next season, and it will be 10 teams in Division 1, 8 teams in Division 2, promotion and relegation is back. Are you happy? Uh, to be honest with you, I was, I was happy with either. I think the Bob Willis um, obviously worked well for the time and I think it was good to give, it sort of gave everyone a chance of winning the championship each year, really. But I think uh, from a player's perspective, it's always seen as probably a short-term thing and it was always always thought that it would probably go back to two divisions eventually. And I think that's obviously been really successful over the last sort of 10, 12 years, I guess. And I think, I guess that, you know, from an ECB point of view, probably breeds the the breast cricket and um, I guess cat cricket's there to try and produce, you know, England cricketers. And I think um, it's probably the viewpoint of the players and, you know, people from above that that's, that two divisions probably the best um, environment to sort of develop people um, and bring people on. Um, obviously Middlesex will um, unfortunately start in Division 2. So it's obviously... We're trying to you know, do our best next year to to get out of that straight away um, into into Div One, which is obviously where everyone wants to be. You were involved in the One Day Cup whilst the hundred was going on. How did you find that? Was it a bit odd because we were constantly being told that the eyes of the nation were watching the hundred, even though of course there were lots of people still watching the One Day Cup. But you had to go out there still, do your job, put on your Middlesex shirt, and score some runs. Uh, yeah, it was actually really good. I think um, it gave opportunity to a lot of younger guys. Um, in the middle of 16, there was quite a few debutants and um, people sort of break into the team, which is pleasing to sort of be out there with them. You know, of course, you know, every cricketer probably wants to play in the 100 and that's where um, sort of all the, the big crowds were and everything like that. But I think the one-day comp actually works really well, uh, produced some really good games. And yeah, I think obviously clearly they, we, you know, Middlesex and other counties missed some of their, their main guys, but there's still some good overseas playing in the comp and still some really good county players as well. Um, so I actually think it was a really good competition, and yeah, I, yeah, I really enjoyed playing with it. Enjoyed playing with um, other young guys, and I think it's a you know good chance to the county sort of breed their their next generation and sort of give people opportunities that they might not normally get um, if teams were you know had their main experienced guys there. So I think it actually went really well. I think there was a bit of doubt about you know the standard for how how it would go down before the comp, but I think it was brilliant, and I think um, yeah, hopefully it can continue to be like that. What's the plan for you now, Max? Is it feet up? Or are you straight back on the bike, so to speak? Uh, yeah, a little bit of downtime. I'm doing some stuff away from cricket, which has been nice to sort of refreshen up and um, sort of think about and process. But yeah, just sort of yeah, have a good, um, good few weeks off and then get ready to, to crack on again. And lastly, just after what we said about the relentlessness of the, the season, the, the schedule, the formats and, and how tough it is mentally at times, how important is this this period for you then just to just to relax a little bit and, and, and try not to think about cricket? Yeah, I think it's I think it's crucial, really. Um, you know, I think you know, as I said, the season is pretty grueling, and it's it's game after game, and I think it's really important to you know both in and out of the season have things away from cricket that sort of can and take your mind off things and and sort of take you out of the crickety bubble. Because I think if you're if you're in that the whole time, it can be you know a dangerous place to be if you're just um, cricket, cricket, cricket. So it's good to um, obviously work really hard when you're when the times you know there to do that, but also you know realize that this probably this sort of month or two might be the only time through the year you get a chance to sort of rest and recharge so that's important and yeah I've um, sort of had interest away from cricket as well so 
it's good to um, sort of do that for a little bit and then be um, ready to get, hit the ground running when, uh, when the time's right. Could you say football, golf, what are your hobbies to take your mind off it? Well, one of them is Arsenal, which is probably not the best hobby to have at the moment. Cause <laughs> going, I think I'd rather think about cricket than think about the state of um, Arsenal. But yeah, a big golfer as well. So there's quite a few of us um, who are members of, of the same club. So we have a few um, very competitive matches around there. Um, I'm, not, I'm not that good, but um, I do my best. But um, yeah, so a few things to, to take a mind off it. <laughs> yeah, hopefully Arsenal can provide you with some comfort over the next few yeah. weeks and months before the cricket season again. Well, no, my breath. <laughs> Max, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it and enjoy your winter. No worries. All the best. Cheers, mate. Connecting our city. This is Cambridge 105 Radio. Welcome back to From the Pavilion here on Cambridge 105 Radio. Happy New Year to you all listening. We're going to turn our attentions back to local cricket now. Nathan. Well, the big news of the winter so far was that of the merger between Foxton and Cambridge. The latter were demoted to the East from the East Anglian Premier League last campaign after failing to meet the ECB criteria on their youth setup, of course. Foxton, on the other hand, have been a staple in the Cams and Hunts Premier League Division 1 over recent years with a strong history in the National Village Cup in particular. The club will host matches at Foxton and also at Caldecott, Cambridge's home ground last season. Ravi Mahendra, who played his cricket for Foxen last season, has been speaking to Ollie about the change. I think if you sort of look at the the demographic of, of Cambridge, um, I've, I've always said it's, it's it's been really unfortunate. There's um, it's not an actual city based club. Um, if you look at all the clubs like Sawston, Saffron Walden, Burwell, and Exning, St Giles, even you know Histon, uh, there's not actually a club in Cambridge. Um, you know, centre of Cambridge, but. Um, yeah, we think that we can we can you know, by merging together, uh, we can form quite a strong club. We've traditionally done very well in um, in Whiting One and uh, in, in the National Village Cup. Um, and I think the boys that come across or are joining us from Cambridge, or it, you know, it certainly forms a, a strong club going forwards. Um, you know, and I think we want to can be competing with you know some of the best clubs in the in the area, and that's certainly something that we want to um, you know try and focus on and develop. Um, you know, over the next few years. The main aim is to is to sort of build a club, certainly for the future, um, whilst maintaining that sort of uh, immediate success. You know, when you merge the two clubs together and the the crop of players that we have to choose from, you know, certainly from a first and second team point of view, um, it's going to be a really strong squad. Um, and you know, we're really looking forward to being very competitive, both in the league um, and also in the National Village Cup. Uh, certainly this year and um yeah look we've got there's lots of things we've got to sort of uh, look at putting in place from a foxton point of view we had to put our junior section on hold uh, for a couple of years because um our club coach jason coleman was, uh, has been unable to come back to the country from australia so you know that's something that we want to get back up and running and something that um cambridge um, were missing as part of their um overall club development so you know that's something that we're really going to have a big focus on and um, yeah, getting that up and running, setting that club structure and getting that sort of, you know, set in stone so it's a strong foundation in order to move forward with. So, yeah, in, in regards to long term, I think, you know, we want to be up there or thereabouts with um, some of the big clubs in the in the area. But, you know, for short term, it's about establishing those roots and um, trying to yeah build a foundation from which we can, you know, certainly push on from and be a successful club, um, both on and off the pitch as well. There's also been a lot of talk. It seems to be a lot of talk over the last few years or something we've discussed a lot on this show about clubs in Cambridgeshire. Danny mentioned earlier on on today's show that he thinks there's potentially too many still in the county. Do you see this, both clubs merging, a sign of what's to come potentially in the future? Do you see it happening more? 
I mean, I, I, I share that view entirely um, with uh, with Dan. Like, you know, I, I think there are lots and lots of small clubs um, where you know, and, and a lot of these clubs do struggle to to sort of you know hit those those club development goals and uh, and boxes that need that need ticking. Um, when it comes to building a club foundation and uh, thinking of all those things that make a great club, that yeah, I, I do think it's something that. Um, that might happen uh, more regularly in the future. Um, not necessarily big clubs in golfing small clubs. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's you know certainly going to be the case. But I think um, you know within amateur sport, like volunteers are really hard to come by, and you rely on good people. Um, and from our point of view, we've got two, you know, two good committees that have merged together, and you know more more people's ideas, um, you know, in in the in the pot, we can make lots of um, good decisions. So um, yeah, I think it might be something that happens in the future. Wizwich Town have received a significant boost in their hopes to build a brand new pavilion. The club has been fundraising for 10 years now in order to try and raise enough money to do so. And after an anonymous donation of £300,000 earlier this year, the club has now received an additional half a million pounds in the memory of the late Mary Judd. The total raise now stands at £1.04 million allowing the club to expand their plans to include an AstroTurf facility for the hockey club. And Ollie caught up with club captain James Williams to find out more. This has been a project of ours for, for 10 years. You know, there's been a lot of people that have been involved in the background to, to get this off the ground. We were very lucky 10 years ago to be uh, donated some money, which kind of kick-started the project. We said that we, you know, we wanted to, to build a new pavilion and, and kind of have a pavilion around town that, that could bring people in from the community into our club. And, over the last 10 years, we've been very lucky with the donations and with the fundraising that we've done as a club. And then a couple of years ago, we found out that we needed to build a new artificial surface as well for the hockey club. So the project kind of got split into two. So we knew that it was going to be an even bigger project. When will the, the sort of first spade go in the ground, so to speak? What's the timeline of, of this? Well, officially, the first spade went into the ground quite a few years ago when we built a new <laughs> car park. You know, we built a new car park on the back, you know, ready for this new pavilion and it's kind of you know covid and things like that's obviously put everything on hold but um you know there's still an incredible amount of work to do you know, you know logistics and, and management of the project you know we still need to raise a, a little bit more to, to get the project that we really want um you know we've got this money but we want to make sure that it's a project that everyone benefits from we want to be all singing all dancing we don't want to do it half-heartedly you know and, and rightly so, we've been very lucky with the donations. We want to we want to build the project that that they deserve. Um, so you know we've got a meeting in January to really to get the logistics sorted. Um, you know we're obviously a cricket and hockey club, so there's two sports to think about there. Um, so ideally, we'd love to have the project done in the next two years. Um, that's both projects: brand new pavilion and brand new artificial surface for hockey. Um, you know, in two years, that'd be fantastic for everyone. And an all singing, all dancing, I guess, means a, a really significant impact on the local community as well in terms of the, the younger people coming through both at the hockey club and the cricket club. Yeah, absolutely. We've worked really hard, you know, over COVID in the last year to really to bring in a community into our club. You know, we've, we've run different events during the summer, during the winter to try and to try and help that. And a brand new brand new facility like we're like we're planning will really help that, you know, with we're not the most richest of, of towns. We know that we're a very deprived area, and to, to offer the facilities that we've got planned to, to the, the community in Wisbeach would be fantastic for everyone. This facility kind of 
it's a big factor of our long-term goals on and off the pitch. We, we want that sustainability. That's the main thing. We, we don't pay our players. We don't pay coaches. We don't do things like that. Our money goes back into the club and into the community projects that we do to make sure that, that the club is still there in many years to come. You know, long gone, long from when I'm gone and when other people are gone. You know, it's, the club's a, a massive part of everyone's life that's involved in it. And we want to make sure that other people get, get that, those special memories like we have as well. And lastly, then, from a cricketing point of view, you'll be wanting to move into your new pavilion or, or start getting your gear on in, in your new pavilion in a, in a couple of years' time with a cricket club in the best shape as possible. How is how are things looking for 2022? Yeah, really good. Yeah, I'd love to love to be able to get padded up in the new change room. That's another couple of years onto my career, which I'm sure will go down really well in my household. But you know, hopefully, I'll be able to take my corner from my, from the change room into the new one. But. <laughs> You know, we'll see. We'll speak to the planners about that. Uh, yeah, 2022, we're, we're looking strong. We've, we've retained everyone so far. We're currently uh, in talks about an overseas player coming over from New Zealand, uh, a really quality one, which is, you know, something that we've really wanted to do. You know, and we're still on the recruitment to, to try and build the whole, you know, players around the whole club. We're, we're very fortunate to get four teams out on a Saturday and two out on a Sunday. You know, we, we need to have that, that core group of players in, in the club to keep doing that each week. We know that clubs in and around Cambridge struggle to do that, but that's kind of what, like we talked about, the sustainability of the club. We want to be able to provide opportunities, playing opportunities for, for everyone in the club. From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. <laughs> Great stuff from Willow there. So as we close the show, we're going to discuss our plans for 2022. Nathan, where are you going to be playing this year? Be back in Cambridgeshire or staying, staying local back home? No, it looks like I'm here. I'm here, uh, here playing cricket in Dublin, back in my, back in my original club that I haven't had a full season for for about five years now. Um, traveling forward and back from the UK, so it'd be nice to get a, get a full season in with, with some lads I played, uh, I played cricket with since I was quite young. So it'll be a, uh, nice and fun and good local stuff as well. The prodigal son returns home. Something like that. Not sure, not sure about prodigal, but we'll see. <laughs> How does it work? You were saying earlier to me off air that there might be a few. Irish internationals playing? Yeah, so there's three in our club at the minute who are in the squad, uh, Ireland senior squad men's, but I mean, they'll play first class cricket a lot of the season um, and they'll be busy training, etc. So how many games they actually play for us is uh, is probably going to be quite limited, if any, but uh, especially with COVID bubbles and stuff as well. We'll see, we'll see how that goes, whether they're allowed to come back and play club cricket. But of course, the benefit of not having a massive first-class structure is that they do get to play a bit of club cricket every now and then. So it's cool when they're around the club and you can have a beer with them or have a net with them. Um, that was pre-COVID though, so we'll see We'll see what happens. Mixing with all the pros. Do so you get a chance to net with them? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I've netted with a few of them. One of them, one of them before he was actually the Arden coach, Arden player, player rather. He actually coached me when I was a kid, so that was quite cool. So, um, so yeah, definitely. You interact with them quite a lot. Does he have a name, or is it confidential? You're not allowed to. No, no, that's that was that was Simi, Simi saying the the off spinner. Okay. Um, he, he played he played in the World T20. Um, yeah, he was my coach, and then I went to school with one of the other guys, a lad called Harry Tactor. He's two years below me in school. Um, so yeah, no, I know those. Yeah, almost definitely. Um, although he's a batter, <laughs> he's a batter now, though. So I hope not. But probably when we were kids, probably. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. Anyway, uh, I'm sure you put things right, and uh, shame. What a good cricketer you are this summer. Um. What one thing would you like to see done differently in twenty twenty two? If you could, if you could pick one thing, one thing that bugs you about cricket, what what big change would you like to see in twenty twenty two? Oh well, I mean, 
there's a lot going on. I mean, the, the general negativity, like around the conversations that we were having earlier, etc. It's a I'd really like cheery those, time, isn't it? <laughs> I'd, I'd like to see those go by, by those topics getting solved, but mm. I guess that's quite broad. I mean, the other obvious thing is, you know, you'd like to see games stop being cancelled because of COVID. I mean, we were supposed to have a couple of festive ODIs against the USA this week, um, but they've all been cancelled. So that was kind of my Christmas cricket planning, cricket watching plans gone out the window and obviously there was the India test match during the summer that that got postponed as well because of COVID and who knows whether the Ashes is going to go ahead you mentioned earlier there's now players have cases so you know this kind of constant uncertainty and then being left with from a selfish fan point of view being left with no cricket to watch last minute that would be, that'd be nice if that if that kicked the bucket it would be nice. I think, though, I think it's fair to say, Nathan, that you've watched enough cricket over the last few weeks. I think you've made it quite clear today that you've watched a lot of cricket over the last few months. Um, There's always more, Ollie. There's always more cricket. It's true, it's true. My, I, I'd, I'd just like to see some consistency in the schedule. As I said earlier, um, there's a lot of work that we need to do around this. And it's more for 2022 and beyond, really. The amount of times they've put a schedule in place for the domestic game and then changed it a year later without giving it any time to breathe. It'd just be nice just to to see some consistency. So not only the players, but also spectators know what they're getting when they when they buy their memberships, when they turn up and pay good money to, to watch the cricket. They have some sort of clarity in terms of what they're going to see, when they're going to see it. That would be nice. I'm really looking forward to actually the, the fixtures release albeit the ECB have, have delayed it just because I, I you know love sort of picking up the fixtures when I can try and try and figure out days when I can go watch Somerset obviously love the blast uh, a really really enjoyable tournament love watching that um, but also of course just looking forward to playing um, I've been stuck indoors for the past 10 yeah. days 10 days or so people can probably guess why um, it, just just looking forward to having some sun on my back and um, I'm, I'm playing down at the local club again get your bowling boots back on yeah yeah exactly that yeah <laughs> and then question why I ever did it which is normally the way. Yes, a lot of miserable a lot of miserable Saturday evenings. Yeah, yeah, and Sundays and Mondays and Tuesdays. Bring, <laughs> bring it on! Bring yeah, it on! Can't wait! What a positive way to finish, eh? <laughs> what a positive way to start twenty twenty two. I just want to say a massive thanks to Nathan for all his help putting this show together with myself over the past 12 months. Massive thanks to everyone who, who helps contribute as well. During the summer months, we have some great local guests, great local content, because so many people in the cricketing scene in Cambridgeshire are willing to put their hand up and come on the show and talk. So we're very grateful to them and also to you listening at home as well, whether it be on the radio live every week or on the podcast too. Very, very much appreciate your support. Hopefully we'll be back in the summer with another series of From the Pavilion, bringing you the very latest of the Cambridgeshire cricket scene. Until then, stay safe and well and have a happy new year. Cambridge 105 Radio.